Good evening and welcome to Monsters Among Us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. Thank you for tuning in on this holiday week. I hope that all my American listeners either have or did have a great Thanksgiving. I'm recording this the night prior and I cannot wait to dig into all the great food that is associated with this awesome holiday. I have a great show lined up for you this evening. Over the past week, I've had several new calls submitted, and I'm eager to share them with you. But before we launch into it, I want to remind you that you can still own a piece of podcast history. T-shirts displaying the prior name are still on sale at the rock-bottom price of $5.95. I guess my loss is your gain. Just head over to the website at www.monstersamonguspodcast.com and click on the Shop tab. Alright, let's jump into tonight's episode. Our first call comes to us from the state of Kentucky. Here is Dylan's story about his ghostly advance. Hi, this is Dylan. I'm from Kentucky. I'm going to share this story. Um, Here recently, before we moved, uh, me and my wife, from another apartment, um, we started experiencing several different things. Uh, things moving. Uh, we could hear things walking up the stairs. Really creepy. But one night was in particular was one of the most scary nights that really made us to give us a decision to actually move. Um, I was laying in bed one night, tossing a turn, I couldn't hardly sleep, and uh, I happened to look up. And when I looked up, there's an image of my wife, and um, I thought it was you know it was her. And I figured she got up to the restroom, you know, go to the bathroom and everything. And and, uh, she reached over and touched my hand. So then I thought, you know, that was awful strange. And I asked her what she was doing, but she didn't respond. And I was thought that, you know, a little bit crazy. And uh, I kept saying her name because her name is Beth. And I'd say, Beth, you know, what's going on? What you need? And she wouldn't answer me. And um, she was wearing the same thing that she was wearing before she went to bed. So I thought it was, I really thought it was her. And uh, so I'm sitting there and I'm just waiting to see what's going on, what's, what's going to happen. And when she reaches down, um, she goes to kiss me. And as soon as she gets close to my lips, I look up and I happen to see this completely different woman. Uh, she had rotted teeth. Um, this woman was very, very old. Um, and I just, I was so frightened, I reached over to look on the other side of my bed to see if my wife was 
actually laying there, and she was. I turned around and looked. I'm still getting shaken up, and my, my words are getting tongue-tied there. But I looked around, and she, that person was gone. I looked all over the house. She was nowhere in the house. Um, keep in mind that this night was really um, dark in our room. I mean, I couldn't hardly see, but I could see this person. Uh, so I was a person. I, I didn't know what it was, and it really frightened me. And after that, things started getting a lot worse. Um, middle of the night, the middle of the night, the chandelier would be moving back and forth. And uh, I'm just shaking up about this because it, it really terrifies me. But um, my friends come over and they would hear things. It was just a really frightened place, and uh, we eventually moved, and we moved to a new home, and now. Nothing has ever happened, but sure enough, I've seen that woman, and it, it definitely frightened me. And I come to do research, and I went online and everything. I come to find out there was an older woman. She was in her 90s, and she actually died in the home. I don't know if that was her or it was some kind of demon, but it was pretty scary. But I've had several paranormal experiences, and I just wanted to share that one, and... and um, but I enjoy the show, so thank you. Bye. Thank you for your submission, Dylan. I can only imagine your confusion turning into fear as the figure leaned in. I do appreciate the fact that you did some research on the home and it seems that it paid off. One question I have about the woman that died is her teeth. I wonder if they matched those of the spirit that practically threw herself at you. Scary stuff. Thank you again for submitting it. Our next call comes from just up the river in Pennsylvania. Hi, my name is Amanda. I live in Pennsylvania, United States. And I wanted to call in and tell you about my encounter with a creature. Um, I've been listening to your podcast. I've listened to every episode and I really like it. I think it's really cool that you give people an outlet to kind of talk about this sort of stuff because normally if you tell people this, they kind of think you're not. So uh, it's nice to, you know, be able to share this with like-minded folks. Um, so basically my encounter is with shadow people. Um, I've seen them for most of my life, so I've got lots of stories. I'm happy to share any of them if you would like to. Um, basically this event was... The first time I ever saw one of them, and I was six years old, and I was in my room, and I'd been put down for a nap because I was misbehaving myself. Now, of course, I didn't fall asleep because when you're six, you never want to take a nap, unlike when you're an adult and you want to take a nap all the time. Um, so I was just in my room, and I snuck out of my bed to go into my toy box, hoping to stealthily sort of get out my toys and play until my mom came to, you know, release me from my incarceration in my bedroom. And um, I was just kind of playing quietly. I don't remember what it was I was playing with. Um, all I remember is hearing, like, a snicker, like somebody, like, snickering or laughing in the back, just in the, just in the background, very quietly. 
and it got dark in my room. And um, basically, I looked behind me, and there were four people standing there, and they were tall, and they looked um, like normal people, except that you couldn't make out any of their features, and they were very dark-looking, like they were standing in a shadow, or they were covered in some sort of bodysuit. And um, I screamed, because, you know, that's the reaction of a six-year-old who suddenly encounters four people in her bedroom that were not there before. And, I mean, I just remember being afraid and just screaming my little head off, and my mom runs in. The minute the door opens, the room gets light again, and they're gone. And she thought that I had been sleepwalking or something, which, um, as far as I know, isn't something that I've done too often. I do do it occasionally. Um, But basically, that's... That's the story. That's the first one. So I hope you enjoy it, and thank you for all that you do. Have a good day. Thank you, Amanda, for that creepy tale. There's one detail in your description that gives me pause. You'd mentioned that the creatures were wearing a bodysuit, or appeared to be. Most Shadow People accounts I've heard of do not include a description of clothing. I'm not doubting your experience at all, but I'm wondering if it was perhaps something else that you saw rather than a shadow person. As for a suggestion, I have no clue what it could have been, but I am very grateful that you took the time to call in. Thank you again. Our next ghostly encounter comes to us from Wendy in Canada. First, just let me say that I love your podcast. I work on an assembly line in a car factory, and as you can imagine, the day can be pretty long and boring. Your podcast has really helped me. It's interesting and entertaining. Thank you so much for helping me get through the endless, monotonous days. This goes back a ways. I was about 16 and had recently moved out of my parents' house. I live in a small town located on the southernmost tip of Canada. Anyhow, being just a kid and still in school, I could only afford to rent a room in an old house in town owned by a widow and her spinster daughter. The house was beautiful and had this winding wooden staircase that led up to the third floor where there were four bedrooms, a bathroom, and a small kitchen. Four people, including myself, rented the rooms. Anyhow, it was a Saturday night and I had just finished work. My then-boyfriend, now husband, and I worked at a local restaurant. He drove me home and dropped me off at the house. He waited out front until I had the door unlocked and had gone in, then drove away. The two old women had very strict rules. No man or boys allowed inside. So I go in and start my way up the stairs, very slowly because they were old and wooden and very creaky. I did not want to wake the old girls up. So I'm climbing the stairs and I look up. There is the old lady, the widow, about six steps higher just looking at me. I hardly had time to register this when I realized that she's kind of shimmering or transparent. Maybe hazy is the word. I don't know how to explain it, but she's not quite all there, but still visible. Even her features are clear. She's just standing there on the step with her hand on the rail looking at me. I don't generally spook easy and I like to think I'm pretty tough stuff, but 
I turned around and ran down those steps and out the front door so fast I almost fell on my face. I ran across the street to the parking lot and sat down on the curb under the light, all night long, staring at the house. You know, we didn't have cell phones back then, so I just sat there, shaking. Finally, it's daylight and the spinster daughter comes out the front door and stands there with her arms wrapped around herself, staring down the street. I was just about to go over and talk to her and maybe, well, tell her what had happened, or even maybe ask her to walk me up to my room, when an ambulance pulled up and then the police. Eventually, they brought out a body on a stretcher, covered all the way up, over the head. I found out later that the old widow had died in her sleep sometime the night before. I'm pretty sure that's who or what I saw. Okay, well, that's my story. I hope it's okay. This is why I believe in ghosts, and after 25 years, it is still crystal clear in my memory, when most days I can't remember where I put my keys. Have a great night, and keep the podcasts coming. Thanks again, Wendy. Thank you, Wendy. This is a familiar story, and one I hear quite often. A loved one or an acquaintance appears mysteriously right before or after their death. Families back in the First World War would often report the sighting of a young man resembling one of their own that was off fighting, only to receive news the following day that the young man was killed in action. Perhaps there's some disconnect in the process of death that allows a spirit to travel right after they take their final breath. If that is what's happening, I have some deceased relatives that need to explain themselves for not visiting me. Thank you again, Wendy, for submitting your story. Our final call is not necessarily a ghost call. In fact, this one is very hard to label. Perhaps it's best to just let you hear it. Hey, uh, so first I want to say that I love the show. Um, listen to a lot of different podcasts, but yours is one that always makes me giddy when I see there's a new episode. Uh, by far my favorite episode is about the Mirror Man. Uh, the reason is because you allowed one person to tell their story and it opened up a gateway for others to share a story that hasn't been told before. And it's for this reason that I'm hoping the same might be done for me so I don't feel alone in my experiences, so here it is. Uh, I'm in my 30s, but when I was about eight, I had this weird experience that I can never explain. Uh, My brother and I used to love making forts in our living room, and sometimes our parents would allow us to make it using the pull-out couch so we could sleep out in the living room. Uh, The room had a big bay window that the sofa was in front of, and on the other side of the window was a cactus that partly hit the the window but was low enough to allow the person inside to look out unimpeded the yard was a nice size uh, with no trees and the only fence was on the right hand side that split our yard from the neighbors Uh, it was maybe a three foot tall fence so one night after we made a fort uh, you know it was summer and it was warm so before bed we tore down part of the fort and then slept on the bed with the window open. So it was clear night, but very quiet. 
Uh, I lived in a small town, one that was out in the country, no airplanes, trains or traffic. So when I woke up to a dark room for no reason, it made me nervous. Uh, my brother was next to me, sleeping silently, and then I realized there's no crickets or night sounds at all. Um, I got the feeling that something was going on, so I looked out the window, didn't see anything, but by the end of the fence, there was a faint glow. I ducked down behind the couch, uh, just telling myself it was the moon, but I got this really weird feeling that I was being spied on. I looked again, and this time there was a figure standing by the end of the fence. Uh, it was maybe about a foot taller than the fence. But the thing that really stopped me from breathing was the figure was glowing, neon yellowish green. The head was round, the body stick thin, but the eyes, the eyes were big and round and black or gray. Uh, I sat staring at it, just staring until it took a step toward me. Um, its arms were at its side, and as it moved, the glow became fuzzy around it, almost as if it was on fire. And that was it. I was done. Uh, I went under the covers, shaking, closing my eyes, trying to fall back to sleep. Nothing happened, just quiet, but I felt something was close. And anyway, somehow I managed to fall back asleep. When I woke up, I was the last one up. My mom was cooking breakfast and my brother was eating and he looked really upset. Uh, my mom was on the phone and she was mixing some batter, whispering into the phone. Um, and she only did this when she didn't want to upset us. I sat next to my brother and asked what was wrong. He looked at me and he told me that he woke up last night and there was a man who was on fire looking into the window at us. Uh, he said that he stared at us, and when my brother sat up to scream, the man went to the left out of the window and just walked away. He was upset because our mom got upset and called our dad, who was at work, and he thought he was in trouble. But instead, my dad came home later and asked my brother if the man was white or black, what color was his hair, all that stuff. Uh, my brother said the same thing. He was on fire. It's only one color. My parents were upset. My brother was a year younger than me, and they seemed to brush it off, but kept asking what the man looked like. I told them I saw the same thing, but my parents thought I was just trying to get attention, so while they believed me that I saw something, uh, they were upset that I said he glowed and was on fire. Uh... Later that summer, our neighbors caught a man who was peeping into the windows uh, in our neighborhood. And after that, my parents would tell people that we saw the guy, but couldn't tell them what he looked like. My brother would ask why didn't the cactus that was in front of the window uh, meant to keep people from getting to the window. Why wasn't that able to work? Why was he able to put his hands with his long fingers on the window? My parents would tell him it only seemed like it and then just let it go. So you would think, you know, that's it. Big letdown, just some peeping Tom scaring kids, but my story doesn't end there. 
following summer, we left our home in California uh, to visit family in Missouri. My brother and I were put into a den that was attached to a living room by an archway. So it was entirely open, but had a small hallway that led to the rest of the house. We were on cots and everyone else was at the back of the house in bedrooms. This town, very much like ours, quiet, just little noise from crickets and June bugs and all the other sorts that the Bible Belt carried. And then it happened. It got very quiet, no sound whatsoever. I'd woken to the quiet in the middle of the night, just the sound of my breathing and my brother's. I was facing him on my left side when I heard a creak in the hall. I thought it was maybe my mom and raised my head. Uh, but instead of seeing her, I saw a glow of greenish yellow light peek from around the corner. First, I saw just the top and the part of an eye and then slowly the whole head. It was the same thing I saw the summer before. There was a window behind me and the moon lit my bed, but it didn't reach the door. Uh, the living room was pitch black, except for the light that it was emitting. I closed my eyes, uh, trying to breathe, thinking that it wasn't real, uh, you know, just a dream. But then I felt my bed at the end dip down. And when I opened my eyes, the head was peeking up from the end of the bed, um, and the glow was bright. I dove under my covers, whispering, please leave me alone, over and over, please leave me alone. My bed dipped one more time, but I never looked. I just hid under my covers until I must have fallen asleep, because the next thing I knew it was morning. So, scared. I told my mom that I saw the glowing man again. My aunt was with her, and my mom filled her in on the peeping Tom, and my aunt thought they would have known if someone was outside because of the dogs. Uh, when I said I saw it inside, they went off on ghosts and spirits, not really addressing again what I saw. My brother, though, when I went outside, play after breakfast he stopped me and said he saw the man on fire too he was looking down on us then moved away into the living room I asked him was he scared and he told me that he sees him sometimes in California but always outside this was the first time the man on fire was inside and so close but he never does anything just stares I asked him why he didn't say anything, and he told me he didn't think our parents believed him, and just kept it to himself. To this day, if I ask him about it, uh, he just shakes his head, says the same thing. It was a man on fire, and he leaves it at that. No other description. And to this day, I wonder uh, what it was that we saw. A ghost or an alien, um, or if it was our imagination, you know, why did we both see it at the same time? I'm hoping that your listeners 
may have similar experiences. Maybe there's a name for this, and hopefully we won't feel so alone any longer. Uh, Anyway, thank you for listening. I hope you have a long and prosperous run, um, and I'll definitely uh, tell more about my other experiences later. Thanks. Wow. Something about that call reminds me of the mirrored men encounters several of my listeners have reported in the past. What could this witness have seen? The description is unlike anything I've heard in the mainstream, and save for a few alien encounters, I have not heard much about a glowing or burning man in any contemporary report. If any of you have experienced anything similar to this, please reach out to me. And I think it goes without saying that I'm still looking for mirrored men encounter stories, so please send those my way if you happen to have one as well. Now before I sign off for the night, I want to mention that this month is the 50th anniversary of the Mothman sightings in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Over a series of several nights, several townfolk witnessed a winged creature, culminating in the collapse of the Silver Bridge a year later. In celebration of the 50th anniversary, here is a clip from the documentary released in correlation with the film The Mothman Prophecies. The interview features Lauren Coleman and Linda Scarver. It was November 15th, 1966. Late in the evening, two young couples drove to a remote hangout on the outskirts of town. Two couples riding around, joy riding around the TNT area, which is a munitions dump from World War II. But all of a sudden, they see these giant red eyes. that they aren't supposed to be there. And all of a sudden, they see a form to it. The form takes shape. They see there's huge wings to this form. We just didn't, we couldn't believe what we really saw. And this thing was standing there with, it had a body just like a man. You could see muscles in its legs. We sit there for a minute and looked at each other, and then we took off. And they get scared, and they want to get out of there. And all of a sudden, they're taking off. They're going anywhere from 100, 120 miles an hour and they notice that this creature is following them. And they can see it through the back window. The shadow you know, is going across the car once in a while, and they can't get away from it. We didn't really talk about it or anything, but we, we saw it all the way down the road into town. Followed us. They couldn't get away from it until they you know, almost got to the edge of Port Pleasant. The creature vanished as they entered town, and the couples headed straight for the sheriff's office. He went out that night to investigate their story, but found no sign of the creature. When Linda finally got home, family friend Doris DeWeese was there to meet her. When they got home, she got in the house, she collapsed. Of course, they had to call a doctor and have him come out, give her something. I mean, she was hysterical, that's all there was to it. The following day, the sheriff held a press conference at the county courthouse to discuss the sightings. The local press jumped on the story and dubbed the mysterious flying creature the Mothman after a character from the Batman television show. Doris remembers vividly how Linda described it. The head looked like a man and uh, it had fiery red eyes, half man, half monster, I guess you'd call it. Something unnatural was stalking the hills of West Virginia and John Keel decided to go and see it for himself. But this was only the beginning. 
others would encounter it, and tragedy would soon follow in its wake. I can't help it. I'm just fascinated with these encounters. And that does it for this episode of Monsters Among Us. But before I go, I want to remind each of you to submit your stories. Simply call the hotline at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. Or you can email me at monstersamonguspodcast at gmail.com. Or submit anonymously through the website at www.monstersamonguspodcast.com. Now I know what you're thinking, but I don't have a story to submit. Well, don't worry, you can still contribute. Please take a moment to rate and review the show on iTunes. It only takes a minute or two, but each review goes a long way to spread the show's message. The wider the message, the better the calls. Additional readings for tonight's show were provided by Warren Pawn Abbott, and music for this episode was provided by Mayu and Nature1986. Thank you all for listening, have a happy Thanksgiving, and until next week. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.